Today on the podcast, I have an amazing woman, Angela Engel, and she is the publisher and founder of the Collective Book Studio. She helps to independently publish food, lifestyle, gift, and children's books. And today we're going to be talking about who she works with and what an independent publisher does and how that's different from self-publishing or a publishing house that's a, you know, a little bit different. So I hope you you know, I'll be along for the ride today to find out. I mean, there's so many women out there, so many people out there that, you know, they just want to write that book. And this is a gal who is making that happen for a ton of people. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willis. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. So thank you so much, Angela, for being here. I'm so excited to talk about everything from Dr. Seuss to entrepreneur to bookstores and everything in between. So thank you for being here today because everyone I know is connected to you in some way, shape or form. And I'm so excited to share you with my listeners. Thank you. Oh, I'm really excited to be here as well. So as everyone knows, I pre-interview everyone. And so I have all my beautiful notes here and we just completely sidebarred on some great stuff. So you are an independent publishers group, which means what? <laughs> so yes, I am an independent publishing house. I'm women owned. It's, it's all me. I'm the owner with, along with my partner, my husband, and I founded the company almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. We are based out of Oakland, California, and we publish books, but we publish them a little bit differently. I call myself partnership publishing, meaning we really work with our clients. We don't acquire their IP, their intellectual property, which traditional houses would, and then they would buy back those rights. Instead, rather, we, I see ourselves mostly as like, how are we going to brand you within this book? What is your why? What is your purpose? And they, they pay us a creative fee to really, really work with developmental editors, with illustrators, with graphic designers, with the entire make team that it takes to make a book, as well as a branch of us that are um, myself included that have to do with like the marketing and the sales piece. And so that they're not in a funnel and they're really with people who have decades and decades of experience within the traditional publishing space. That's what I do. Because yeah, it's getting loosey goosey out there in the publishing world. You know, <laughs> totally. I mean, I, I'll watch a TikTok and they're like, okay, go to, to go to Canva and create this and then have it like auto publish it over here on Amazon and then shoot it out in the world. And you don't even need to have any inventory. Wah! And I'm like, okay. And then you have the other thing where you're like pushing your book out into the, praying to God, someone bites and you're this like beautiful kind of in-between space where you have this amazing editor, you have all these great tools. Because like for myself, I'm over here running my mouth, but thank God I have my editor, Caroline, that's going, you know, beep, 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 let me fix this. I have an editor and she's making the music sound good and she's introing and outroing and I have someone to talk to. I have someone to get feedback from that when you're when you're doing this independent publishing, which some like, there's a lot of people that are doing that right now, And then their book just sits, you know, I mean, they don't have 
the team that you're providing with your company, which is amazing. Oh, you know, I always ask people, do you want to be a publisher or do you want to do what you do best? Right. Okay. So people don't realize when you go into the self-publishing space and yes, you're right. Canva, Blurb, Amazon platforms. Oh, I could literally create a, a Word document, create it into an, a PDF, right. upload it. I don't need any t- typography skills. I don't need any illustration skills. I literally can type it in Word and use just sans serif and load it on up, right? And oh, oh, maybe, maybe I sent it to a friend of mine or through a service and I got punctuation, okay? Or Grammarly. I could even buy right. a platform, right? Right. <laughs> Check it on Grammarly. And I say, whoa, you mean that we've created a society where it's, we need something so instant, so fast that we just, and that, that we have, that we have this platform where we, everyone can instantly write a book or instantly become a publisher. And I'm sort of saying, okay, I'm listening. I hear people. I yeah. hear this, like this, like symphony of voices behind me saying publishing is archaic. Publishing is too slow. I takes three to four years. I have a voice. I have something to say. I have a business. I've, I have, a, I've, I have this baby in me and no one is willing to like, let it go. We're moms, yeah. right? Yeah. Imagine if someone was, the book is like a baby. Imagine if someone said, sorry, you can't have, you got to hold that in for three years. Right. <laughs> or it's not good enough. Or, or it's we not don't good like you yes. and you yes. can't even come in the door because you don't have a following of 10,000 or, Correct. you know, you're I, not you, a celebrity. You're not a you're celebrity, not a- right? You're not a, you're not a Bravo housewife. I'm like, <laughs> for the love of Pete. And I tell myself that all the time. We talked about that in the pre-interview. I'm like, Oh my God. And nothing against Teresa Judice of the housewives, but I'm like, shit, she's got like three books out there. I got to be able to do this too. (laughs) You know what I mean? But there's that intimidation factor between myself and your, I don't know what, what, what is the word of the the publisher? Like that's over there that I have to like, that's not you, but it's not (laughs) self-published. What is that publisher called? That's called called the that's called the traditionally pub- published, right? Okay. From, you're yeah. traditionally published by Random House, Simon Schuster, HarperCollins, Abrams. I mean, I could keep naming them. Chronicle Books, right. Tensby, where I've left. Okay. So where I've worked, you could totally do that, which is usually agented. And then you're paid in advance. They acquire you, your intellectual property. And honestly, let's say you're developing characters or something and you get, or, or your story becomes a huge Netflix show. They, you get part of that royalty, but you don't own that, right? Like, so how they, as you see in, in Hollywood all the time, oh, that book is, that movie, that show is adapted from yeah. a book. So what I thought about for myself. Because you were in that world. I mean. Of course, yeah. I was like, You didn't yeah. just like hatch three years ago and be like, oh my God, I think I'm going to be a publisher. No, no like no. this is like, this is, this is your wheelhouse. I mean, this is where you come from. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I remember when Amazon, this is over 20 years ago, I started my, my first job in publishing was 20, over 20 years ago in 2000. And I was right out of college. I was, I'm a comparative lit major and creative writer. And of course I get a job in marketing and it's at actually now it was at Publishers Group West, which is now Ingram, the largest distributor in the world, pretty much and, and all, a ton and ton of independent publishing houses. And at that same time, there was this guy named Jeff Bezos. Okay. 
Stop. Just 20, yeah, just 20 years ago. It's not that long ago. Yeah. And Jeff Bezos was a book retailer. Yeah, remember? I remember that. Yes, that's how Amazon like was birthed, yes. right? I mean, yes, yes. He was it. a book retailer. So all of a sudden we are selling Amazon alongside Walden Pond, right? Like you're shopping at the mall and you're like, Walden Pond, Borders, great bookstores, right? In the Midwest where I'm from. And I just thought about this, that Amazon was talking already over 20 years ago about lightning source and print on demand. And we're kind of like, we're publishing houses. We're kind of really slow. We're really slow to the game. We were like, not listening. We didn't think a lot about it. And now what I felt was now over 17 years later, I was like, hey guys, and my I'm like, Amazon is a billion dollar industry in just publishing. Yeah. So let's just be real. This is a model that's staying forever. Right. It is a, it's a business model. It's a publishing model. Traditional publishing is a publishing model. So I thought as an entrepreneur, and I know we're going to get to this juicy part of my life, I was like, whoa, I want to start a different business model. I want to start a model within my space that literally is like, if self-publishing works for some, but I would probably challenge that it's not sustain, it's not sustainable and same with traditional. And one of the reasons I think that my model is going to have some real sustainability within the publishing space is that we do, we are a guard, right? We take traditional submissions. We make sure that like, for example, everyone has blinders on, everyone does, right? From And so how are you writing? How are you portraying? Is this really like coming authentically from your voice? And mm-hmm. how are we using words? Because they do matter. And we need our editors to manage that. Yeah. And then we also need production control, right? So we are really, we're a lifestyle publisher and a gift and a children's publisher in children's books. Like, you know, our depiction of characters, how are that you got to, that's remember we talked a little bit and we can go into this about Dr. Seuss and, and the decision that both Dr. Seuss Enterprises and Random House made. I applaud shelving those, those books. It is so key that there are people within the traditional space that have an eye on how our culture is going to, I would say, be represent to our future generations. And I feel that the people in the collective of who I work with we believe that we're sensitive, we're creators, we're, we're artists in some way of the book. Yeah. And there's like three things that I want to make sure we touch on. Of course, we're going to go back to the Dr. Seuss because I just thought that was such a great conversation that you and I had that day. And I want to, I want to go through it again, but I think that there's maybe when I'm looking at it, we've been through kind of this weird space of like do it yourselfers. And I think it has a lot to do with how we were raised and our generation of, you know, like I can book my own vacation. I can go and do my own taxes online. I can do legal zoom. Like everything is a do it yourself. Like, and if you're not doing it yourself, you're a wussy, like go build a garage go finish. I remember being a single mom, literally finishing the walls of my basement, 26 years old, using one of those hammers that like a bullet (laughs) shoots out of it. I had no business using this, but it was a do it yourself. Try to save money faster, quicker, stronger right now. Don't want to hire anybody. 
And I think we're kind of moving back out of that where we, people are starting to use travel agents again. And we, you know, we are reaching out and asking professionals to make what it is. I mean, because who wants to birth a book that is a pile of poo? Great ideas, great story, but missed the mark because we didn't have anyone to kind of reel us in and show us what a professional does. And that's where I think that we're back headed back to is understanding we don't have to know how to do everything, especially publishing a book. Because as you were saying about the Dr. Seuss piece, when you and I spoke, it was literally, I think the day of, or when they pulled, what was it? Four Dr. Seuss books off the shelf. Yeah. I think it was up to six. I think. Was it I six? Believe. And you were telling me about like, hey, there's a reason that this happened. And of course, right now we're so sensitive to cancel culture. Like we want everything to live forever. Everything's fine. Like we're supposed to just be mind through it and know what's right and wrong. But you had made such a great point of there's a difference between having a book that we study and having a book on a shelf for a kid to read. And I was like, what just happened to my brain? What did you just do to me? Because <laughs> you don't think uh, I, of that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a comparative literature major. You know, that is where we dive into philosophy and, and literature and, and we connect them. That is that degree. And so we compare, right? We can think about... We think about Shakespeare and we take Karl Marx and how, how does, how would we, how do we mash that up? Right? Like that is sort of my discipline. So I think about when people were saying, oh, Candlecall, I go, no, those books have no place. House on Mulberry Street, how it's depicting an Asian man has no place in a library for a three-year-old, for a parent to check out and for a three-year-old to interpret yeah, that is very different than when you're in a college situation and your brain is developed in a certain way and you're with a professor and they're looking at House on Mulberry Street and they're looking at that time in and they're able and we're able to have a discussion. And I could argue even high school students, that's the beauty of those courses, right? They teach us to be critical thinkers. So my point to the cancer culture is Dr. Seuss and Randall House said it has no place within the trade market anymore. It doesn't mean that the book is out being burned. It just means that from a trade perspective, it is not one. We've, we have to be honest with ourselves that there's parts of Shakespeare that are depicting characters that are racist, right? And that we have to, we have to be critical thinkers. And so but a child in high school can think very critically and, and, and in the university system than a three-year-old. Yeah. And I mean, I heard people all week that because you gave me all of the tools that I was able to have conversations with and sound really super smart because they're like, what's the problem? It's the, you turned out all right. I turned out all right. I read those books. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, and, and it's like, no, you actually didn't. You actually didn't turn out all right. I actually didn't turn out all right. Like I just finished the whole people of color series wherein I was fully open to stepping all over myself because I learned so many things that were wrong and 
what we're talking about when we do take those books off the shelf and we do go, hey, we don't want to instill this in our children's minds as being okay and normal. We don't want Asian kids to look at that book and go, well, it's okay if I'm depicted this way, because it's not. It's, you know, I mean, I don't know specific, but I'm getting what you're saying is that it's just, it's, it's racist. And I don't even think, because I literally was just having a text message war with somebody right now about racism. And it's like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm like, oh my God, go listen to the podcast. <laughs> I don't think that we even fully understand how racist we are, even when we don't want to be. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, like I said, everyone has blinders and we, we all have, we're all at racist and homophobic <laughs> and like, let's just be real. Like, I mean, I think about my own husband whose culture, I mean, he's from, he's from the middle East and his grandmother was born in Baghdad and he is a Jew. Okay. People don't even want to talk about the fact that there are Jews that were born of a Middle Eastern descent in Iranian, Persian, Iraqi Jews, okay, that are dark. So when we go out, people often, you know, have, he's, he's, he, he's, a, he's ambiguous, right? Ethnically ambiguous. And so mm -hmm. they don't know how to place them. And, and as a culture, they want to, right? They want to so bad. Yeah. What so shelf, been, what drawer, where do yes. I put you? So we've been at parties where people have started to speak, you know, Hindi. Like he's not Indian. Like it's just <laughs> ridiculous. People, people want to. Yeah. And I think that that's the point I have about publishing. Yeah. That we need to be mindful how we depict people, both in our in our illustrations and in our novels and in our lifestyle. And that is what we're saying now, right? We're, yeah. you, we're seeing this movement. And I have to actually say, I'm in my forties. My husband's over 50. It is actually my, our children's generation, my 13 year old daughter, who's really pushing us forward. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, yeah. so when I'm able to say to my father-in-law, who's 84 years old, who was very upset about Dr. Seuss. And actually, I love that you just said this. He was like, what did I do wrong with my children? Right? Like he was like- It's Those almost accusatory. Them yes. hearing that is almost accusatory that they they chose to let us read these books and they read these books to us. You know, it's it's very yes, I mean, yes. sensitive. And I, exactly. And he was like, what do we do wrong? And I said, listen, you didn't do anything wrong, right. but what we're telling you is that those know that there is a there is a responsibility to society and future generations to really look at what was depicted a hundred years ago, and yeah. we and and now I think about my own daughter, right, who's who's a, at Oakland School for the Arts and a theater major, and she's almost thirteen and. The way she talks about gender, it's like, mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's so different at the dinner table. It's Her amazing. Idea, it's amazing. It's amazing. These kids are so amazing. They're so much smarter and get it <laughs> so much better yes. than we did. I mean, but you know, what's funny is as you're talking about this, I'm like, if we depicted women or the Irish or Italians those ways, it would be more, we would, it would be more impactful. We'd go, 
well, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't depict women like that. Of course you should. Of course, just because she dressed with a skirt, she shouldn't be raped. But we think nothing of it so often of other races. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, what's the big deal? It's just, it's a depiction. It's fine. It's just a book. It's like, yeah, but you wouldn't want that for your daughter. You wouldn't want that for your your own Irish family to be de- depicted as alcoholics. I'm Irish. That's why I'm speaking about that. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I'm Irish. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien. Well, no, no that's got- really, really, really true. And I turn it back because I'm a, a grandchild of Holocaust survivors. My mm. mom came here from, and my grandmother, both my parents, my grandfather lost everyone in the oh. Holocaust. And my, my grandmother, they both escaped. But wow. my grandmother, they escaped and her brothers escaped. But I, I turn it back because at that time, there were children's books that depicted Jews as rats, right? It I depicted, mean... it was just awful, right? Yeah. And they, and our, and I have to say that all those books, of course, are banned. And, and, and German, Germany now is the right to return. My brother has a UK, like my brother is actually a UK citizen now because of our roots in Germany. So we do have to take responsibility that these depictions do really put something into our society and our culture. And so I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to why. So visceral. But it's so so visceral. visceral. That's so visceral because just because it's not, I mean, and it's like, I don't even want to say the words, but just because the depiction is not that severe as to be a rat, it doesn't mean that it's not wrong. And so, you know, like, oh, well, no, we just need, and a kid's going to read that book and see themselves. And we need to be mindful. If you look back centuries, you know, millennials of years, a, a society we learn from by the books, by what's left behind in writings on walls. And I mean, truly the writings of and works of a civilization is the civilization. It's it's how it is made. It's how it survives. It's how it's pushed forward. I mean, look at the one argument that we have is change the damn books in school so that kids can read real history. How profound is that? Real history. Correct. Correct. So that's, let's talk about social media, right? So that's why you know, we got Twitter, we got, I don't even know anymore. My daughter just downloaded something else, but there's like a TikTok and there's Instagram and there's all these platforms right out there. And I ask of everybody, right? That words really do matter what we write and how, and how we, I love that you're bringing it back to how we almost see a moment of our culture at our time. And so that is what the collective book studio I'm set to do. I'm set to say, okay, I hear you. Traditional publishing is acquiring IP, acquiring all your ideas is taking really long, but self-publishing can also go down a road. I would argue where we, we can't even tell what is said, what, what is like good, what's not good, how it's been edited. And that is why librarians and booksellers, it's really hard. And I agree with them. I agree with my colleagues here. They're not going to buy most self-published books into their institutions or into their bookstores. Why? Because they can't read every single book right out there. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of books out there and they can't decipher what is editorially sound. 
So they look to publishing experts you. to guarantee, yeah, to guarantee <laughs> that we put it through the lens and the values that I got to say, there are some publishing imprints that I don't agree with, right? That are conservative out there, but also the librarians know those imprints, right? Know those publishing houses print those certain types of books. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. You see what so, I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so like my house, the collected book studio house, we're never going to print one of those kinds of books. We, we're a brand, <laughs> right? right? And, we, and then, so like, I hope that people understand when we print, you know, our new children's book, Gratitude the Great, it's located down in Los Angeles and the boardwalk of Venice Beach, the whole scene where you have just this incredible scene of, a, you know, all types of people, someone with a wheelchair, two men holding hands, like it just shows a child, like really what the diversity of, of culture. And those are the types of books that I hope to bring into the world. I mean, I've had so many gals and I'm going to be having so many gals on of people that you are currently working with. I know mm. you did the Dear White Women book there. Sarah and Misasha's book will be coming out fallish. Yes, October, October. October. Oh, did you get to interview them? They're fantastic. Yeah, they were on this last Tuesday. Their their podcast came out. And I think we actually mentioned you, of course. So. Oh, I got to listen. I would <laughs> listen to it. So if everyone. OK, so, yes, I am so proud to be the publisher of Dear White Women by these two fierce Asian warrior women. I mean, they are amazing. Smart, smart, smart. brilliant powerhouses that know what the hell they're talking about on another level. I mean, I was literally shaking in my boots like to interview them because they podcast for a living and they're both Harvard grads. But yeah, so you're doing that book. And then I know you're doing another gal's book. It has to do, or or you're in the works. It's like a a connection book between mother and child. But it it was, so you're doing a lot of important, current stuff with women that you have identified that has a really amazing why, that has a really amazing story. You're seeing that in the person, because I was asking you like, well, what do you need? Like, so everyone that's talking right or listening to this right now is going to go, oh, I have a book. Oh, I have a book. Oh, I have a, I have a book for her. Cause I know my sister, like she wants to, she's writing a children. She already wrote the children's book, but she doesn't have it. And you said you need a sample of the writing, roughly a table of contents, and you get submissions like a, a ton of them, like on your website. Right. I mean, like you're, yes. you're in it, you're, you're yes, deep in yes. the submissions. Yes, yes. And children's is probably the number one category we get in the hardest because to people, honestly, it's very hard to write a children's book. It is not easy and it's expensive to invest in because we pay our illustrators, you know, we, we pay our development to editor. We just acquired a book, for example, it's an awesome book called Enamel the Camel by this really fun dentist. But like, we're also making sure like we are so it's so important to us that we even put it out for a sensitivity read because the camels are located in the desert and we want to be very, very, very mindful of Islamic culture. So like there's all these little tiny things that people do not think about when they're writing and depicting and how we have to move our society forward that I'm really proud of my team and how we're publishing and so children's books in particular, we like, we'll take it and it might be awesome. And the illustrations are up and I'm so excited to publish this book, but just taking that extra step 
is then why a librarian will go, yes, we want to work with the collective book studio. Yeah. We want, or, or a bookstore. Yes. They're paying that much attention to the editorial and also the illustration of the entire book. Yeah. Cause it's and not just, just about do, birthing yeah. this thing. It's about getting it on shelves and someone actually buying the darn thing. Yes, and yes, so we and need that trust from you by way of the bookstore, by way of the, whatever it is, they know you and they're like, oh yeah, okay. This has been vetted. This has been vetted yeah. by them. So totally. now we can we sell it. Totally. And we don't just do children. So children's a, a small actually portion. We do a lot. I, I love doing parenting. I love doing self-help. I love doing current affairs. We do not do memoir or a novel or any YA. So those I would just, or poetry like that stuff is just not my genre. I can always refer to great independent publishers as well as some of the larger ones, but really my sweet spot, a career development, things that I know how to sell, that I know how to market is where the client is going to, where, where our list and the client is going to, we're going to just serve the client best. I think of myself, right? So I'm now in my forties. I've had a 20 plus career and career development is actually one of my favorite because it's my own personal. Every time I read a submission, I go, would I buy this book? Am I that person? I put myself in there. And I actually have a great book right now on the list written by a man, Bob Lesser, who I was like, we're going to make this book for both male and female entrepreneurs in the way that he speaks. And it's, it's just his whole idea of reaching your peak performance. And he uses athletes, how athletes Mm. mind works. And I'm really excited about this book. It's coming out this summer. And I love that I'm able to sort of look at that kind of growth and career development space within our, within our society and, and kind of place them on our list correctly. Cause I do feel that that unfortunately that category now has sort of sometimes gone into the self-publishing realm. And mm-hmm. I'm sort of like, Hey guys, like, let's bring it back because I'm the girl in my twenties who read what colors your parachute. Did you ever read that book? No, I didn't, but you did mention it. I have it on my list of notes. You have what color is your parachute? And also you need to hire me. You mentioned both of those and I wrote them <laughs> down. So uh, what what's with these two books? Tell everyone. Well, so what color is your parachute? It's like, really, I have no idea when it was published, probably like in the 80s. I have right. no idea, or the 90s. When it first came out by Rick Bowles, it sold like over 9 million plus copies. Anyways, it's been in like hundred million different revisions, right? Like this is this, this year's edition or whatever it is. But I read it when I was in my twenties in, in publishing and I am some color. I should go drag it out of my <laughs> bookshelf. I'm probably purple. Cause as you know, I love purple. Right. So, uh, I, uh, so they, they divide you and they, you're a color. Okay. You're a color of a parachute. Imagine this big rainbow parachute and you're this color. And you've got to kind of embrace your color. Like, and if you can embrace your color, what color is your parachute? You will then figure out how then we move into our career lives within that space. So like, there are some people who are introverts. I'm not happen not to be an introvert, but like, so they're what maybe satisfies them in their career is so different than what would satisfy somebody like me, right? Mm -hmm. Who's extremely extroverted, who like is craving people. Like, look, I'm like, oh my God, I'm on a podcast in the time (laughs) of a pandemic and I can see you, but you know, and talk to you. Like, 
that's a very extroverted feeling. And so entrepreneurship is something I think I was born to do, right? It's part of my parachute, but that book changed my life. And when I first started networking, I only talked to traditional people in the traditional space. And I got one person saying to me, hey, Angela, you've spent so much time at Chronicle Books and you're so talented in visual books. We do art books. We do, we've done a beautiful art book, full style food and wine. Why are you going to go into this career development? I think you should just like throw that category out the window and just focus on like the big, beautiful, colored, full books. And I said, I can't. I can't because when I read What Colors Your Parachute, I turned it over and I looked at who published the book and I wrote the publisher a letter. And the owner called me and he said, Angela, why don't you come in? And I sat in his office and he goes, we're going to find a job for you. Because in that book, it told me if the job isn't written, write it for yourself. Yeah. That was my color. So I just followed my color. And so read the book because I'd be curious what your color is, Meredith. And it will tell you where you kind of want to kind of go. And it was so, so I think for myself, one of my goals is to find the more modern, the more up-to-date, what colors your parachute. So I'll keep trying to find career development books. I've got this incredible book with Fran Hauser, this in, a, a career workbook. Like I'm going to keep finding these women and these men who are writing in an interesting space because I do think that that is what we're craving right now as a society. What is our why and what is our purpose? And not just in all of the things that we do, not just our business lives, but in our personal lives as well. I love that so much because you had mentioned that before in our call about the why, and that's the name of my crazy podcast. But when, when you do get bogged down or overwhelmed or you're, I'm not making money from this or gosh, I want more people to listen or, you know, whatever it is, if you stay inside of your why, if you stay in that moment where you flipped it over and you're like, I want to be a part of what just happened right there. I want to be in that energy. I want to be that person so that when they flip the book over that changed their life, which so many books change people's lives. I mean, we hear it like Eckhart Tolle and, you know, the the untethered, right. He's a genius. And, and, you know, the untethered soul, like everyone's reading, you know, these certain books that are changing their lives and to turn it over and see your name. That's breathtaking, you know, or if someone listens to my podcast. And so if we kind of stay and go, I'm doing this because it's my passion and it feeds my soul on a daily basis. And I love this more than, and if one person texts me and says, great podcast today, you literally changed the way I just saw Dr. Seuss and what, you know, that whole thing. That's, that's a game changer to me. That's life changing to be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, this conversation, by the way, we've gotten like really heavy. And now I love that we're like going more light because I want people to see how optimistic I think both of you and I are right yes. in, in, our, in our lives. And life is tough and hard and challenging. But when you surround yourself with people that can help propel you forward with an optimist mindset, I really think we can change the world. Like I do believe I do. That. Like I, do. I, I, I totally do. And so what I think is this, 
you could go solo on your book, right? <laughs> or, or, you could sur- <laughs> or surround yourself with your people, your cheering squad, your megaphone, right? So like, that's what I've created. Like you're going to get a team where it's, it's hard some days and you're going to go be able to check in and go, Hey, how are you guys seeing this? Or can we maybe think about this other angle? And Oh my God, Angela, you just called me. I'm now a speaker at Salesforce. Like whatever it is, like you have somebody who's in your court. Yeah. Cause writing a book is lonely. If anyone out there's ever tried it, <laughs> it is lonely and you will literally clean your you know, toilet with a toothbrush instead of doing it some days and to have a team rooting for you and telling you that you're awesome and that you're doing well on those lonely days when you're typing away, that is a game changer. Like that is monumental to have a team and a team to go, "Ah, we need to change page 42. Like we need to reel that in a little, you went a little left to center, which I can see you making that call to me. Yeah. Let's like, come on, your tone's a little off or you like really were up all night or something. Right. Meredith, you're writing a book, right? I have four. (laughs) I have have one that's, yeah, I have one that's, I think it's, I'm 50,000 words in. And then I have the other one that the entire, I've got my entire outline done. So it's like 10 chapters and yeah, I need, I need to, I need to get to the lake house and just have everyone leave me alone. Cause like I told you, I will literally do anything, but sit there, I, you know, and then the distraction, like that's the thing about writing a book is you got to be in it. And once you get in it, you could sit there for eight hours, but as soon as someone, mom, 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 you know, or husband or wife or dinner or laundry, it can be a distraction. So to have a team, when you know you have something that you want to get out into the world, I mean, to have that team be able to help you and mold you and hone you and let you know that you're not going to be out there with the wolves of the world reading your book without it being, you know, eyeballed by a professional, that's a game changer. And I love that you're doing this. I think it's so amazing. And I know there's so many women that I'm actually interviewing for this podcast that you are putting their work out in the world. And these women are game changers. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously. Well, I want to know what, yeah, I want to know more about your book and what, how, <laughs> I, how, how I can help. But like, also don't forget, I'm all about, getting your book out into the world, yeah. not just in on an online platform. So right. where, remind me where you live. I'm in Chicago where you have your, they actually make their books here. Don't they in Chicago? At yeah, the, my, well, yes, we have our distributor, which distributor, is distributor. That's it. Yeah. Our independent publishers group. They're our distributor. They also own Chicago review press. So right there in Chicago, I love Chicago. Yeah. I want to come visit. Okay. So you're in Chicago, great town. Yeah. I think for, for me, I think that I'm so motivated by women and their story. I think that is in so many ways, our time, you know, I think you, you and I talked a little bit about this, but I, I have three girls. Mm-hmm. One's seventh grade. The other is what she's nine. She's in third grade. And then I have a five-year-old. And I just want them to know that it is possible to just, to not just dream, but to actually go get your dream. To get there. To, to get, get there. there. Yeah. It's a game changer. And as you're talking about having our girls and one thing I have learned through this podcast, because within the pre-interview, like sometimes it starts off and I'm talking to a person and it's just kind of like gray. And then all of a sudden they say one thing and I'm like, that's it. 
that's the story. That's what's so cool about, you know what I mean? And, and I have learned because I have talked to every single person that has signed up to do the pre-interview. And then every person that I have spoken to has a story and they have a story to share with the world. And it just matters if you wait a minute and you listen and you take the time to care about a person, to bring them that safe space to be vulnerable they have something amazing to share with the world that will change people's lives who get to listen to it. I mean, I just talked to a woman yesterday. I should actually connect you with her. The most amazing woman. She's in Cleveland. I'm going to interview her for the podcast. She has this company and yada, yada. She's been all over the world. Crazy. And I'm listening to her talk to me and I'm like walking downstairs to put my gym shoes on so I can go for a walk. And I'm just, every time I get off the phone with these people, I'm like, tell my husband, I'm like, these people, everyone has an amazing story if we're just vulnerable enough to tell it and we're just open enough to listen to it. And I'm just awesome. I mean, and uh, that's like the gift you have creating this podcast. I can just tell how passionate you are. And that's, yeah, you're so, you are, you guys. I mean, I'm glad about the listeners. You are so like, you're so passionate and that's how I feel about people and their story yeah. right so so like I saw that people were really frustrated they were like I'm not getting published I have a agent and like come on who is getting a six-figure deal for their book if you're right. not like a politician or a celebrity or like some huge huge have a huge platform right so the fact is is that you're right you just said it Every person matters, right? Every human being has a story on the planet that really does matter to them. And, but yet how they channel that. Yep. Yep. Not everyone is a writer. Let's just be real. Yeah. And so I ask that people slow down and say, okay, how do you want to translate this story? We're not saying we're not listening. We're not saying you're not good. We're just asking how, what is your why and what is your purpose for this book? So good. Well, I just love what you're doing. I love all the women that you're working with. Angela Engel, she is the founder of the Collective Book Studio. Check her out. You're on Instagram at the Collective Book Studio. And it's thecollectivebookstudio.com for people to connect with you. Is that correct? It's actually the collectivebook.studio. Look, I, you know what? I have that written and I thought I screwed I it up. So the collective book dot studio then dot com or is dot studio the dot com part? <laughs> I know it's, it's so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to edit this part out of the podcast? They, they're getting all this insanity. They're going to have to listen okay. to this. But okay. so it's the collective book dot studio. That's it. And then they find you and and then they they end up on your doorstep and then they give you their sample of writing and their table of contents and they put it all out there. And then we go from there. But I mean, this is, this is monumental. This is the way the world is going for publishing if we're going to do it the right way. And so people can look back on 2020 and 2021 in this whole life and go, they weren't complete idiots. They didn't self-publish everything and just put God knows what out into the world. They had people like you to censor the insanity. So thank you for sharing your story and your company and your wisdom on pulling books off of shelves. And it's not cancel culture. It's 
it's just the way it, it has to be. And, and I thank you for sharing everything today. And thank you for bringing so many amazing women and men's voices to be heard and read throughout the world and getting us people on shelves instead of just floating around in <laughs> Amazonville and never getting read. So thank you for that. But I appreciate you being here today. Oh, you are just, you're really sweet. I I really do want people to know that I only could do this because of optimism and other people that I meet, like you, Meredith, who can <laughs> allow me to like share the story, right? It's, it's lonely, right? To be an entrepreneur in some way. Yeah, it is. And so I always think, and look, I am climbing really a big, big, big mountain here. Yeah. Because it's traditional publishing random house. Haven't they been around since like 1600? <laughs> Is that even legal? <laughs> Is that legal? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like I'm at, like, I'm like the knocking on the door, like this little, little women owned independent out in California being like, hey guys, hi. hey guys, hey, hi. You guys are not listening to society. Right. Right. And there's this self-publishing Amazon world, like huge, and you're still not listening. So I was like, no, 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 we're going to listen. We're going to listen. Like, so I want your listeners to know that I'm listening, that even if you have a self-published book, like already, don't worry. It doesn't mean you can't redo it. It doesn't mean that you can't, you can't rebirth it. It just means that it's time for us to really listen what our society is asking of us in this traditional space. We thought, especially, you know, with Black Lives Matter, there has not been, we have done a horrific job, to be honest, in supporting particularly Black people and all people of color in story and, and publishing voices. So I hope that my children, I hope I'm building this so that my, my children, your children, our children will just remember this period of time and go, God, we're really doing this differently. Yeah. I can feel it. I, feel I can it. feel it too. I tell you, I, my, my, I, I can do the, like, look at like the earth, it's earth day today, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's fun. And like, I just Changing feel like the, the kids, well, I just feel like kids, our kids are so attached to the environment. Our kids are, my daughter, when this pandemic first started was like laughing at her phone about the, the, this like meme that was like just going around. And it was like this, like all of us, these old people, like basically destroying the earth and like giving us this time to all be indoors so that the earth could rebloom so that, you know, the pollution stopped driving all your cars. And I just think, I do feel it. I do. I feel it too. I feel it too. Well, thank you so much. Don't go away. I'm, I'm going to hit stop record here in a minute, but thank you so much again for being here. I really appreciate you're the best. You're just the best. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.